Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired. Kairos. Shazanga. up the blood clark tune now that is an intro and a half come on is there anybody out there is there anybody who's going to argue with me this week that for fuck's sake wido and g the main man g that the man the myth the legend the man that is g uh came up with the goods um with that intro that was incredible special thanks to for fuck's sake wido and Genesis Elijah for coming up with, hands down, the best intro ever for a Mixed Martial Arts podcast. Joining me as ever, as always, as fuck's sake, why they said in the intro, it's G. What up? And Kairos. How are we all doing? And the main man, the man, the myth, the legend. I've already used that, but okay, we can recycle that. <laughs> Just Sanga. What's good, people? How are you doing? I'm all good. All good, rearing to go for this week's No Holds Barred episode. It's good, I have to say. It's nice that you can call on people who will always pick up the phone when you need them, who will always be uh, ready and, and willing to, to ride for you. And I have to say, I, I can't pick them up enough. Genesis Elijah always picking up the phone. As soon as I'm like... Bro, I need, a, I need you. I need a favour. I need you to help me out. I'm in the spot right now. He's always there. And um, for fuck's sake, Wido too. Um, he joins the, the, the long list of people who I can definitely say, yeah, Paul Daly, help me out, man. I'm in the jam. He's there. But anyway, enough of um, people. Uh, you know what? A special shout out to Jimmy Manua uh, getting me out of the jam. I remember one time I got sacked from um, Fighters Only. He was there. He was there and quick, fast, in a hurry. All I heard was skirt. Anyway, um, big up Jimmy. This week's talking, yeah, massive shout out to Jimmy. This week's episode, as always, we're each bringing something to the table. And uh, without further ado, here's Kairos. Hey guys, what in the hell is going on with women's featherweight? Here's something I want to read to you guys, okay? Now, I'm not even going to read, I'm just going to tell you what it is. Do you guys remember Norma Dumont who fought a few months ago at Featherweight? I think yes. so. Okay, yeah. maybe not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was a no. <laughs> don't even, we don't even have to go there. No, you don't. Nobody does. You guys remember Ashley Evans Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember what happened Norma? outside their por- that porch. Uh, that's, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's the girl who was stealing supplies with her boyfriend like they was homeless. Yeah. I remember her. Sticky yeah. fingers, yeah. yeah. She uh. did steal that. <laughs> okay. Anywho. Norma fought at 145 pounds. Ashley Evans Smith, <laughs> she fought at 125 pounds. What do they have in common? They're meeting at 135 pounds to fight. Now, under normal circumstances, I wouldn't have anything to say. I wouldn't have shit to say. I'd be like, all right, that's great. Choose where you want to fight at. But when you're a featherweight, leaving a division of four people, now leaving three people to compete, it's kind of an issue. 
it's not kind of it is an issue you have a whole roster of people who are at 145 who dropped down to 135 and rightfully so you you should fight at whatever division you want to fight in but it gets to a point where you have to start bringing in fighters for the division or just get rid of it there are divisions mm -hmm. that we could have in this organization in place of 145 pounds we could have an atom weight division we could have a, um, a 110 or a 105 i feel like the ufc is forcing the issue on this you guys were swearing that we should get rid of 125 but there's like 50 fighters in that division but you don't want to get rid of 145 and there's like four fighters three fighters in the division can someone please help me make this make sense <laughs> To my knowledge, there's only three 145ers, really. Like, yeah. natural 145ers, Felicia Spencer, Megan Anderson, and Amanda Nunes. And even, well, Amanda Nunes isn't natural. Well, she, yeah, yeah, I'd say she's, she's, a, she's a natural 145. And the only other 145er who has walked around close to that weight was uh, Chris Cyborg. So, and you let her go to Bellator. So... I don't know what the UFC, what UFC are doing. Like I, I've even gone onto the UFC's official rankings uh, page to look at the women's weather uh, featherweight rankings list. You click the drop down uh, arrow. There's nobody appears. It's just a man. I think I think that says it all when it comes to the the current state of the women's featherweight division. I think uh, yeah, it's, it's it, yeah as 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 you said, it, it's it's kind of laughable. I remember Dana White a couple months ago, or may, maybe. Maybe even late last year, he said, "Oh yeah, we're, yeah, we're gonna build a we're gonna build a division around Amanda, so then she can uh, she can stay for a long time." Because obviously, there's this talk of uh, her hanging up her gloves if she just gets through um, Felicia Spencer. It was before she fought Felicia Spencer, actually. But um, we've yet to see any well <laughs> any major attempt to uh, to fo to follow through on that, really. And I mean, if the UFC don't don't pony up and start giving her viable contenders. I, I, I mean, she could walk. I re, or, or yeah, walk. That that implies that she's leaving in an in, in an angry term. You know, she could just decide. Look, enough is enough. I've beaten everybody out here, and that's it for me. So they need to do something and fast. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't actually make sense. It doesn't stack up. And speaking of contenders, I mean, you're right. Looking at the cupboard in terms of contenders, the contender cupboard is bare but just again flipping this on his head just sticking with the word contenders has anybody noticed just to fitting with Kairos's theme here to fill this cupboard because if you notice there's a lot of people being sacked there's a lot of people being laid mm -hmm. up there's a lot of people being given their pink slip in the UFC but the contender series is letting all and sundry <laughs> yeah, in through the right. door because it seems to be like Moses in the Red Sea <coughs> the way that you know people have been kind of like tossed to one yeah. side and said yeah okay you're in you're in yeah dana so yeah there might be something in that might might be in that something yeah. in that um kairos i think dana i don't know dana's been enjoying well he's been in a happy mood the last two weeks that's that's something's happened he's getting a little something something i think he went on vacation or something <laughs> yeah he went on vacation because everybody's getting a contract so he's like really in a good mood um, as far as the featherweight division, I think it's really lazy of the UFC not to build a division around her. One, they announced that they would, like Chisanga said, and they didn't do anything. And on top of it, why don't they want to keep her in that division? Like, you have a star, and once again, the UFC is not promoting their star. And the way to promote that star is that you recruit people for her to beat up in that division. And if they don't have any competitors for her in that division, it's what Jasanga said. She can just leave. And she's been teetering on the line of retiring quite often. You know, like, she mentions it, especially with that baby on the way with her wife. So... 
if you want to keep her around and, and, and stuff like that, you might want to build that division around her so she can jump back and forth and, you know, you can retain the employee that you want to keep because I was watching some show and someone asked Dana, they're like, what are you going to do if she retires? And he's like, I'll fucking kill her. And that was like his response. But, but, of, <laughs> but of course, it was sarcastically, of course, but you can tell that he relies on her heavily for the sport and and for those two divisions. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, Dana, if you're gonna fucking kill her, she retires. Why don't you keep her here by recruiting? What happened to maybe having a tough house with that division? Why aren't you guys out there when he's, what is that show Mike he does with Matt Sarah? When looking he looks, for a fight. yeah. I'm where for a fight. is the one for you know? Where is the the one forty five featherweight person that you're recruiting? It seems mm. like they're just ignoring that, but they expect her to just stay and make money with the company when they themselves are not promoting her. They're not making her the biggest star that she could be, which is to include, you know, beefing up that division. And if it, if they scrape it, it's on the UFC because it's what Cairo okay. said there's like a 3 million flyweights and yet we talk about scraping them but the UFC just doesn't do anything with this division so mm. I think it'll be a catastrophe if they don't and just let it go and scrape it I hope they recruit well put, put it this way like I mean ho, ho, um, I was about to say Holly Holm Amanda Nunes has beat Jermaine Dermandamy Holly Holm uh, she beat the brakes off Raquel Pennington mm-hmm. and I'm I, I, well, I, I think maybe if Irene Aldana beats Holly Holm that you you can make an argument for her potentially getting a title shot. That might even be a, a bit of a stretch. But we could be realistically in a situation. Uh, is it this weekend Holly Holm fights or is it? No, it's it's the end of the month. It's the end of the month, Holly Holm and I, I, or it's September. I think it was moved to October yeah. or September. They, okay, yeah, it's yeah. been moved to one of those. We could be in a situation like where literally if Holly Holm gets a win over... Um, Irene Adana, Holly Holm's going to get another title shot against oh Amanda Nunes, God. and like this is uh, this is the depth of the barrel that we're we're scraping for for challenges mm. for Amanda Nunes. So something yep. something really needs to be done soon, and that's that's not me uh, trying to detract away from from Holly. Obviously, she's a former world champion; she's a legitimate threat. But I mean, Amanda well and truly well, nullified her. Uh, nullified her best weapons and obviously she closed the show with a vicious head kick so I mean they need to do something and soon uh, I, I hope they're aware of this one, one, would, one would hope that they're aware of this uh, predicament that they could soon find themselves in and I think the saving grace at this moment in time has been the imminent arrival of their child I think her and uh, Nina Ansoff's child's due in a couple months time so, um, so yeah obviously Amanda's geared towards that but that also could be could turn out to be a double-edged sword because she just might be thinking, you know what? I've got a young family, and I've got family now. Why do I need to fight? Why do I need to take right. any more risks or whatever? You so. And that's my point to, to like tantalize yeah. her to draw her in. Why not give her fresh competitors? Or like, hold up, we have like four new girls signed. You know this, this, yeah. and that. It's like, if if Dana's saying, oh, I'd fucking kill her, she retires. Give her a reason to stay, bro. Especially a new parent, a new mom, you know, give her a reason to stay. Because I do agree with Dana. Mm. He kind of needs her. She's huge for two divisions. Mm. And she's she's like somewhat of a star, especially, you know, amongst us and the, and the purists and the fans, of course. And she is the woman's goat. So it's in his best interest to keep her around mm. and that she not retire. So I don't get the why they're not doing it. So we shall wait and see. Bring cholesterol shields to MMA. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> this is what's gonna have to come to you, know. Maybe. It could yeah, happen. Exactly. She's it down for happen. it. Yeah. 
I, I saw uh, it must have been a couple months ago she was uh she was hitting some pads and she was doing some tie boxing i was like okay fair enough well if you're actually taking this seriously then all right but but i she looked decent yeah, as I know, well i know I, I, but then again i don't know how how serious she's she's taking yeah. it and i mean just wait until the first time she gets two inside leg kicks repeatedly and then boy i mean those boxers lean heavy on their lead legs so that's just exactly yes it's it's gonna be a nightmare they kind of fucked the women over though too like if i think about it in this terms you guys said why don't they bring tough well they did that for 145 but they didn't do them any like good service in the or good faith in the whole transaction because this they had no one at 145 at this time Mm -hmm. really so then you bring in a show of how many 145 is i think 15 Mm -hmm. Not 15 might not be that high, but anyway, they're bringing 15. So now you have 16 fighters in the division. All right, great. You have eight fights, and then everybody has to either take a break or hope that someone comes out healthy and ready to fight again. You should have been constantly padding the roster like they did for strawweight. When the strawweight tough show was going on, you had Joanna fighting people um outside of competition and in the ufc to build up the division and bring in multiple people you can't have a division solely resting on your tv show because let's be Mm -hmm. real a lot of people go on that tv show for one or two reasons one it's their shot at the ufc they might not even be fighting in that division but they're damn sure going to give themselves a shot to get in the ufc so then you have that rightfully so so they fight up a weight class do what they got to do and let's just say for argument's sake everybody on that show wanted to fight at 145 pounds well guess what you get through that show and you think, all right, great. I see Amanda Nunez at the end of the tunnel. I need to develop before I can face her. Mm-hmm. So how do I develop? Build up my skill set by facing challenger after challenger after Correct. challenger. And who knows, maybe in a year or two, I'm I'm good. I can yeah. fight. But you look at that division and you're sitting there like, damn, I might realistically have to fight her in one or two fights. But that's what's going on, Fuck Kairos. That. And, I, and that's why I don't like title fights that are like Felicia Spencer versus Amanda Nunes. We know damn well no. that if that division wasn't so shallow, she would not be a title contender. And neither is yeah. Megan Anderson. And when they do finally, well, Megan hasn't fought Amanda yet. But when Felicia did finally fight her, the discrepancy in talent showed and it's like, I don't yes. also enjoy those types of title fights when you kind of know this person wasn't developed or fought enough people to become at least a contender to fight Amanda. So I just think this is a, just an epic fail. But I'd love to know why. Is it because, y'all, we don't know the business side of things. So you also have to think from the UFC's perspective. Is there just like not a lot of women in that group? Is it hard to find? Or are they just being like lackadaisy with recruiting women? I'd love to know what is the holdup. Like, are the women out there, y'all? Like, is it slim pickings? Is it, like, what's going on? Yeah, I've, I've, I, I think it is slim pickings, but if if the UFC were serious, they could... Uh, they could easily just raid Invicta. They 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 they, they easily could just <laughs> take. T- they, they could do. They could just take four. Raid. Up, yeah, raids. <laughs> pillage. Or right. Whatever. I pictured like yeah. Vikings showing up and like get over here. You're in the <laughs> UFC now. Like that's hilarious. Yeah, they, they they could do. But I I understand it's. Uh, I think where we're kind of oversimplifying the process. They obviously have to do their due diligence with fighters and and uh, and make sure that they. That they're that they're that they're UFC ready because they don't want to just chuck chuck them in for the sake of it and then as Kyra said, two fights in they're fighting the the best female fighter of all oh, time so and get, yeah. get getting their ass beat like I mean Felicia Spencer like I I don't know how 
how people like Joe Rogan, or like when they're cutting the promos and when when it's somebody like when Felicia Spencer. When it's complete bullshit, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know how they can sit there with like a with a straight face and be like, oh yeah, she's gonna cause her massive problems, will be one of the biggest tests of her career, and like, come on, man, they damn well knew, no that wasn't gonna happen, and just look at how that fight went. It was like I I I got flack for this. I I said that the fight should have been stopped. Like uh, I tweeted it, and my tweet made the broadcast, and loads of people be like, "Oh, but it's her. It, it might be her only uh, title title shot, bro." Blah blah blah. Keep keep going, but at the same time, just, it, yeah. To, to to use a a saying that we used uh, here, like when in regards to football, soccer, it was like men against boys, but obviously it's, uh, in in terms of Amanda, so it's a fully grown woman against a, a little girl, just beating the shit out of her. That's what it looks but, like. Yeah. That's that's what it looked like. It's a shame. It's a shame, and yeah. And it's hard to get excited about those fights. Like when the buildup was coming for that fight, someone in my mentions was like, "You just don't believe in Felicia," and I just kindly had to remind, like, I kindly had to ignore him and just be like, "This person is delusional." Like we all know damn well she hasn't fought enough people in that division to build herself up to fight Amanda. We all know what's going to happen, but everybody held on to that dream fight she had with Cyborg because she put up such a good fight. But without rifle competitors and contenders, you can't, you're just giving um, women that are not capable of fighting Amanda too soon and too early. And it's, you're not doing anyone due diligence when you do that. Agreed. Yeah. You said they were holding on to that fight with Cyborg. Yeah, like when Felicia, and I mean, I fell in love with that fight too. Like she was so tough with, you know, she wasn't afraid of Cyborg. I think for like a while we finally saw a competitor that was like, I'm not afraid of her. You know what I mean? And was just stayed in her face and was able to eat her shots. Like a lot of women crumble when they get hit by Chris Cyborg and Felicia yeah. didn't. But what happened was fans was like, she's good or she has a chance or, and it's not that she's not good. It's like, she still needs to fight some more and, and earn her way and fight her way to the challenger like everybody else does. You can't just give her a title shot because she had a good showing against Chris Cyborg. She's still not ready. But I think whoever was in my mentions was holding on to that beautiful performance, but he kindly was ignored. I didn't even respond. She wasn't ready. No, no, she wasn't ready. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, all the shit they talk yeah. afterwards, too, you know. Oh, God. I was doing some research on what you just said earlier. Like, are they, like, in a drought for Featherweight? Yeah. Like, I'm looking at Topology right now. There are <laughs> Topology only has, like, 78 registered Featherweights, and that's across all promotions. Jeez. So wow. That's, that's not that's good. That's not good. That's so, yeah, I'm on it, too. I see yeah. it. It's, wow. Yeah. That is scary. Like, that's why I brought it up, because it's so easy for us to demonize Dana in the UFC, but we're not there when they're making decisions, mm-hmm. too. So you have mm-hmm. to keep your, you have to try to be in both shoes to, to be, like, a critical thinker or to kind of, like, think about things, to me. And I'm always wondering, like, is it slim pickings? And then look what Kairos found in a Google search, you know? <laughs> it's speaking, of, um, speaking of demonizing Dana, sorry, just to move the discussion on ever so slightly. I, I, in, my, um, in, my, in, in my divvying out, uh, who was going to go first, who was going to go second, I forgot myself. <laughs> Demonising Dana is the theme of what I'm bringing to the table this week because no. I wanted to just take a look back at what Dana has achieved in actually during a pandemic, pandemic actually bringing together some incredible fights. Let's just cast a mind back to Saturday 
9th of May when we had Ferguson versus Gaethje. Moving forward, on that very same card, we had Cejudo versus Cruz. But if you look at the spectacular matchups, which has, again, I have to keep underlining this, in the midst of a pandemic, Smith versus Teixeira, Overeem versus Harris. I could go on. I mean, Nunes versus Spencer. Remember that uh, wicked knockout that O'Malley gave to um, Wineland? Now, again, I could go on and on and on. And the whole concept of Fire Island, again, just to again underline this point in the midst of a pandemic. Now, I might be overegging this. I might be um, a Dana zombie, but I think perhaps just looking back that I had him absolutely wrong. I had him misjudged in that. I had him demonized in, in, in my eyes as somebody who was um, bloodthirsty and money hungry. But, you know, we're all benefiting from this litany of, um, of, of fights that, you know, have in certain cases been spectacular. We've been entertained over these past few months by a man who has, in a way, bucked the trend, gone against the grain and, you know, against people like myself who have demonized him, pulled off the impossible. Now, the point I'm getting to is I feel that there needs to be some kind of like grading, some kind of report card that we each give in our own honest opinion of Dana's prowess and indeed what the UFC have actually achieved here. Because again, it's against a almost avalanche of objections against a kind of like a litany of people actually saying, you are going to go to hell for this. Now, to cut to the chase, I would give him a strong A minus. It's only an A minus because in the sanitized zone, which was supposedly created on Fire Island, and that was when you leave the Fire Island or when you leave the sanitized zone, you can't come back in. Um, Dana broke his own rules or broke the rules by recording with um, Matt Serra and I think it was Michael Bisping at the time um, looking forward to a fight. Now, all of the stringent planning and the sanitization of that event, I think, was thrown out the window when they came back in the sanitized zone after leaving it. But that is the only reason why you're getting an A minus. It would have been an A plus plus, to be honest with you. But again, rein me in if I am being the Dana zombie here. In your, you know, your report card, your report roundup, how would you rate Dana's performance and indeed the UFC in pulling off? the impossible hmm. I guess I'll go first um, I'll give it like a B plus and um, the reason why I'm not going to give it like an A plus or even an A is just the my issue with the whole pandemic fighting thing is just like how come some people's whole teams or fights get called off and then some people don't like for instance and I already know the answer to this Masvidal's coach um, was it Mike Brown he tested and he, the fight still mm-hmm. went on. And then some other people, some coaches mm-hmm. get tested, and then, like, the whole fight is scrapped. So that makes me, like, uncomfortable. And then, I don't know, and then when um, Ed Herman left the, the the facility and had some drinks and he couldn't fight, I wonder if there's room for, like, you know, mistakes and whatnot. And I question, too, like, how they um, do quarantine when the fighters, like I said, when they leave the facility, come back, or, like, when mm-hmm. they first arrive. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's some loopholes still 
with COVID that I think t Dana could tighten up, so thus the B-plus rating. And also, I have a problem with the fact that Dana refuses to wear a mask. I think he's doing a really, really good job of keeping the fighters safe and getting them tested and the sanitizing. But it would be nice if he respected his influence and if the, he has to wear a mm. mask at the Contender Series like everybody else or wear a mask, you know, while he's cage side, like everybody else. I really think he should do it. That's a fair yeah, point. I really think he should do mm. it. And I understand why he doesn't, because I work someplace where we're all getting tested. And what happens is, is that people don't wear a mask because they're like, yo, we're all negative. We just got tested. But that's not the point. We need to wear masks so that we can show everybody else and the other employees exactly. and the people that we work with in the community that we are wearing a mask. And also, it also shows respect to the elderly. It shows respect to people that are immune compromised. And Dana is a famous person. If he's just such a tough guy that puts fights together and he wears a mask, you're not going to have people, I forget, a comedian just uploaded a picture of himself not wearing a mask and saying he's not a pussy. I feel like when Dana doesn't do that, he is feeding those people. Sending yes, the same message. Sending the yeah. same message. Yeah. So with me, yeah, with, with the holes in the place with the COVID, you know, there was some stuff I didn't like, like Jacare tested positive but then he was also commiserating with folks they nipped that in the butt and they changed the protocol and then and yeah. leaving and coming back and thank god somebody said no to him but what if he was like a money maker type of dude like a masvidal that went back to, to a bar and came back i highly mm -hmm. doubt they would have been like uh we can't let him fight he went to a bar yeah so i just think there's mm. room for corruption which i don't like and Dana and, and Joe Rogan bragging about not wearing masks because everyone's getting tested is just downright ignorant. But B-plus on my part. Yeah, I'd, g I'd give you the same grade. Like, obviously, we... I, I, I don't know if we're ever going to... I was about to say, I don't know if we're ever going to experience another uh, wave of fights like we did in Fight Island. They're probably going to do that in, like, a couple weeks' time, kicking off with uh, 253. But, uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was one of those skeptics originally mike and i initially thought mm. that yes the ufc ball has to keep on rolling but i just thought that they were they're pressing on with it or not pressing on with the original plans but they pressed on with their new plans to to put on fights just just for financial greed and for mon monetary gain but after after hearing the number of fighters come out and thank the ufc and thank them for saying, oh, thank you for being able to help me, help me being able to provide for my family during the, during these yeah. tough times and, and what have you. Especially some of the, uh, the fighters who are on the, uh, the UFC London card. That card was ridiculous and I'm just still devastated it didn't happen over here. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, a lot of those guys didn't have, well, they, I know they got some sort of uh, stipend, but I don't think it was, it was that much. To, to tide you over during the midst of a pandemic when when your next paycheck is is unknown so i was happy that he managed to put on fights obviously for our sake to entertain us and for the fighters sake but as g said there were some holes in the uh, in the covid uh, testing procedures mm -hmm. i think they were more stringent when uh, when they were around fight island they've been definitely more stringent around fight island and i think that was probably something uh, something to do with uh, the UAE tourist board they probably said look if you're doing yeah. if you're doing it here then you've got to adhere to our, our standards of, of testing and it, it was phenomenal there because I, I think most fighters got tested I think around four or five times so they got tested mm. when they went to before they went to the the meeting hub and then before 
the night before they or two days before they got on the airplane when they arrived and then they quarantined and then they got tested again and yeah so those protocols were good but you'd like to see similar protocols being implemented regardless of where they are especially especially in las vegas as well but b plus for me there there could be some improvements but on the whole pretty good yeah how about you kairos a plus a plus y'all want to be some here's why it's it's not a 100 percent a plus because we obviously missed out on hubby versus tony that's unforgivable so you get like a 98 97 type range but this man gets an a plus and here's why he had so many doubters, so mm. many people wishing him ill will, saying this wasn't going to work. He had people on Twitter crying, saying that they weren't going to be covering any MMA events during this time because they didn't believe in it. They, oh, what? I refuse to watch it. Yeah, I refuse people, to do stuff about no. it. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. That's ridiculous. Yes, they were saying all that. I'm not going to cover the sport that I love and see if it tarnished my day in the white. Guess what happened? A few weeks later, events kept rolling in. A few months later, events kept rolling in. Guess what they had to do? Get on their bike and backpedal. They immediately, <laughs> let me start covering these events. These fights are crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Where were y'all? You guys built your own graves, and you were wishing that this business would fail, unknowingly realizing that that would mean the fighters and their livelihoods would fail, too. Or maybe you just had a stance that you had to take. Whatever your prerogative is, you turned coat. Like Benedict Arnold. Oh, and I hope no. you're happy. <laughs> I hope you're happy right now. If you're listening to this right now, that applies he to you. Went there. You are wrong. You are wrong, and you deserve every single clip. Just like I was wrong about Cheeto. I had to do my ugly push-ups. <laughs> now you got to do your ugly push-ups. Ugly indeed, my brother. But I'm glad you uh, did them. <laughs> I, I need to deliver mine as well. I'll, I'll deliver. <clears throat> That's why I said, glad you did them. That was for you to fuck. <laughs> yeah. I'll deliver. I'll deliver them, sir. Don't worry. Don't worry. They're in the mail. I, International shipping. I do want to add one thing, though. Chisanga brought it up, and I meant to vent to y'all about this. I hate when the fighters publicly be like, yo, I love Dana. We fighting. We making money. We able to pay our bills. He doesn't do that for you, honey. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I don't think something. Dana was like, these guys can't feed their families. We have to work during a pandemic. It's called that motherfucking contract they have to ESPN. They have business to make. These are millionaires that want to keep stay rich. They are making money off the backs of these fighters and also ripping them off. They don't give a fuck if you can't pay your bills. That's why if a fight falls through, you get 10 G's. Take a seat and hit the road. They don't care if you can't pay your bills or not. They just released Ray Borg. So whenever like Carla and just recently Sean O'Malley, just 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 drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm just like, it's a business transaction. He really doesn't care if you y'all can't pay your bills like that. Like, and I'm and that's a blanketed statement. I'm not I'm sure Dana cares about them. Don't get me wrong. But I mean But that's why it made me uncomfortable you, when Chisanga was saying earlier about the UFC London contingent, those people who were on the card, it was almost a wave of Dana, thank you so much yeah. for helping me to provide for my family. Yeah. And it made me think that perhaps they got a DM. I once got a DM from the UFC uh, UK account, uh, UFC Europe, and it was urging me to publicize um, the Conor McGregor versus um, I'm, I'm, I'm Floyd Mayweather. Now, little old me with my, what, 4,000 followers. And it made me think how many other people got this same, um, what seemed to be a stock email, it would be great if you could. 
it was words to that that, that effect and it, it made me when Chisanga mentioned it earlier it made me think perhaps they all got a blanket email mm, yeah. it'll be great if you could do you know what I mean yeah yeah I know what you mean yeah and plus especially guys further down on the card they don't want to they don't want to risk they, they, they don't want to put any foot wrong so in 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 their mind, they'd be like, "Oh, it's just a simple tweet saying thank you or whatever," and it puts me, yeah. puts me in the good books. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna kiss mm. the ring too. I'm gonna be real with you. If I was, let's say, I was, uh, I don't know, who is so? I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Let's just say anyone who's like average to moderately low popularity, whatever. If I was that person, I would kiss the ring too. Because at the end of the day, I'd rather be inside <laughs> looking up than outside looking in. Yeah. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna even hold you. There's people who are willing to draw that line of sand and be like, nah, fuck that. Dana's treating us wrong. But then Dana sends you on a press tour for the military and cuts you that same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. We remember what happened to Liz Carmouche. Or mm. you got Leslie Smith trying to put together the fighters union to fight for your rights, saying, Oh, we're getting treated wrong, blah blah blah. blah. Guess what? We're not gonna allow you to fight out the rest of your contract. Goodbye. Yeah. Cajun Johnson as well, remember? Let's not forget that. Cajun. Let's not and let's yep. not forget little examples like Joff Neal having to go back to work and then he was quick to be like, I don't have a problem with going back to work. <laughs> I like Dana White. That's y'all. You can see it yeah, in little, you know you can see it in little ways. They're quick to be like, No, I'm fine yeah. over here. Hi, Dana. You know what I'm saying? So like <laughs> I get I get Kairos's point too. There's people that are like you know, smart enough to kind of play both sides of the fence and, and get what they need from a company that's not treating them well. And then there's people that go hard and then they get cut for going hard. And then that, that keeps everybody else from going hard. So it's like a very tricky situation when you need to unionize and you're dealing with like a very powerful company. So I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, Who's up next? Would that be? Oh, I like. Why am I acting like I'm not on the show? I was like, who is next, Michael? Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was Chisanga. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought. Oh, it was my bad. Okay, go you. ahead, Chisanga. I'm I'm all confused and shit. Okay, guys. So we've 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 danced around the biggest news of the week so far in uh, the mixed martial arts world, and that, of course, is Mr. Johnny Bones Jones vacating the light heavyweight title, which. It's something that I never thought I'd I'd hear. Like obviously we've we've Ka-ching. yeah we've we've become we've become accustomed <laughs> to uh, to hearing that he's been relieved of the light heavyweight title for his for his actions. I'm not saying this to to, to garner a laugh, but I'm just saying we've become accustomed to hearing he's been stripped of the light heavyweight title due to transgressions outside of the octagon or uh, anti-doping issues. But this was a voluntary relinquishment of the light heavyweight title, and. Yeah, so the new, the new John's, John's, uh, the timing of John's announcement obviously came shortly after I believe it was Brett Okamoto who uh, revealed that Jan Blachowicz and Dominic Reyes will be fighting on the, the Adesanya Costa card on uh, September twenty sixth. Now a lot of people were were wondering if those two were fighting, there has to be some sort of title on the line. Obviously, John's relinquishment of the title uh, answered those questions, and yeah, John. Moments afterwards, it, it was like he was he was listening to everybody's uh, everybody's responses or and everybody's responses to his uh, to his tweet about leaving the division, and he promptly said, "Yep, I'll be staying in the new side of testing pool, and I've got my eye on, on light heavyweight, or light heavyweights, a heavyweight division." Sorry. Now, with John well and truly turning his back on the light heavyweight division, I fear for the division now. I fear that. There's not going to be a standout candidate 
or, and will be a flag bearer for the division for years to come. And I think that the division is going to have multiple champions and the belt will change multiple times over the course of the next few years. So, guys, what's your thoughts on the prospect of the UFC allowing, allowing their poster boy to, to le- leave the light heavyweight division in pursuit of gold at heavyweight, which is by no means guaranteed? Well, I think you're being very disrespectful here. Have you not forgotten of the Latin uncrowned king, Dominic Reyes? That man's going to take that title. <laughs> He's going to hold the division down for years to come, and maybe John will come back and ask for a rematch after losing his belt. As far as John leaving the division for heavyweight, I respect his move because here's why. A while back, we were talking about him trying to negotiate for that big money for Francis Ngannou and fighting at heavyweight and all this other jazz, and Dana was having none of it. So he made what he wanted to do happen. Mm-hmm. He said, fine, well, I'm going to drop the belt now, and then I'm going to move up to heavyweight, and then you're going to have no choice but to pay me. So if anything goes to show you, I respect this man's hustle, and I appreciate him standing up and standing firm, similar to how Jorge Masvidal did it, similar to how Habib did it, similar to how other people are doing it, you know? Joanne is doing the same thing. She's playing chess right now. She's mm-hmm. doing her thing. Hopefully she gets what she wants in the end. You know, shout out to her. But at the end of the day, though, something's got to give. And John is willing to break open that door just like Mazda and all those other people. And I think mm-hmm. that as far as the division not having a guy who has a firm fist, I believe there's two like ways that that can go. And I think this is going to be in the positive way because you're going to have other contenders and other challenges grow and have an identity. When you have a guy ruling a division for so long, people stop having interest because it gets boring. Look at Demetrius Johnson. He ruled that division for like, I don't, like what, 20, 20 fights, in, like 12 straight defenses in a row? People are like, oh, it's boring. I don't want to see it. Amanda's destroying 135. Oh, it's boring. We don't want to see Holly do it again. Mm-hmm. Back when... um. GSP is at 170. Oh, it's boring. Anderson at 185. Oh, it's boring. We don't want to see him fight anymore. Oh, we're even dealing with that with Kamaru Usman right now. People are saying the guy's boring. The division's getting stale. Like, I'm telling you, when you have a lot of people claiming for a title, it makes the division a lot more interesting. That's why 155 is one of the divisions people swear is the most stacked to most mm-hmm. exciting because anybody can win that title at mm-hmm. any single day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like light heavyweight is going to start having some crazy... You got the Jiri guy who just fought who had an impressive... um return you got like so many people coming in that division is gonna he's from the, he's grow. from the uk kairos uh, Cro- <laughs> oh he is yeah, Czechoslovakia. Do you remember? remember he's from- <laughs> all right that counts that counts there's your champion right there there's your, champion. <laughs> there's your uk champion <laughs> that's your champion Oh, God. Yeah, Kairos makes some good points. I, I'm torn because I feel like Kairos, like part of me is like feels the same exact way. Um, when a lot of people are gunning for the title, that is what makes the um, division exciting. And believe it or not, when the title changes hands a lot, that also is exciting because that means there's just so many people that can be champion. And when you have somebody that sits at the top for so long, believe, e- even though they're really good and stuff, like it can get stale. And what happens is when they, it gets stale, they usually go up a class, you know, or they, they have some type of super fight. And I think it's time that John does that. But I don't really like the personalities that are left. If Dominic Reyes becomes champ, I'll oh, enjoy Lord. his fighting skills and I love his fights. But that's just not really someone that I want to hear on the mic being weird and awkward. Imagine John Bakovich as like a champ, like... <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I feel Kairos on this. Like, it's going to be exciting because there's so many, like, little young up-and-comers in that, in that you know, like, who, who's the guy? I can never say his name. Rakage, Mike? 
Rackage. Yeah. Rackage. Rackage. He's yeah. coming up. He's a beast. <laughs> There's so many. Then, you know, you got the guy from the UK, like Cairo said, Jerry Pashanga. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. We're, we're, okay. I know I joked about that, but we legit have. We 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 legit have a contender, and that is recognized in the UFC <laughs> rankings. In Paul Craig, let's not sleep. Let's not true, forget. True. Let's not forget forget the bear Jew, the man who can You're, pull out yes. hail mary hail mary submissions from from nowhere. Shout out to Paul Craig, and we'll be I waiting that on guy. that submission when he contends for a title. Correct? Like you think he's gonna make it all the to way to the up last there? second? <laughs> yeah, last second. Uh, no. I wouldn't be surprised no. if he left it to the last second. It would be a real rocky story. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I just don't know how I feel about it just yet. I gotta see how it unfolds. But um, since that fight is coming up, who do you think wins, Dominic Reyes or Jan? Reyes. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. Think oh, definitely Reyes. I think yeah. what a lot of people aren't well. doing, yeah. what a lot of people aren't doing enough of, is giving Malky Cower props. Remember, they were in the midst of this negotiation stalled, and then John basically had to make like he was about to u- leave the UFC. Know your worth. They obviously knew their worth. They got what they wanted in the end, and I think that's down to front row management. At the end of the day, you know, love him or hate him. You're right, though, um, Kasanga, uh, Chisanga. When you actually hear um, Jones's name, you always expect bad news. So it was wonderful to hear something pleasant, the mm-hmm. fact that he is actually moving up. But I think we are going to see a constant change in champion at light heavyweight. I think that this is going to be a constant thing. But that isn't a bad thing. That keeps us in tune. That keeps us, um, well, hanging on. Um, in terms of the narrative and how is it going to change? How is it going to shape up? Who's coming up next? Who's the possibility of um, holding the title next? And I like that. There's one reason, one reason alone that John is actually vacating the light heavyweight um, division because he's run for everybody. Who else is really going to be for him next? Let's have a new narrative. The new narrative is, okay, we now have a division where we have a rearranging of the deck chairs on an ongoing basis. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Now, what 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 are your thoughts on on who John should fight in his heavyweight debut? Now, a lot of people, and I I, I understand this this uh, this argument obviously because of his his body of work at uh, a light heavyweight and the fact that he is undefeated. I know he has the loss to Matt Hamill, but we all know that's bullshit. A lot of people have 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 a solid and salient point in saying that he should get a title shot straight away, but that just doesn't sit well with me considering. The fact that Francis Ngannou, he got close to the mountain beforehand, then he ran into Stipe, and then he lost to Derek Lewis, but he's clawed his way back into title contention. And I just don't think it would be it'd be fair for the UFC to be like, ah, oh, well, here's here's a shinier new car, if you know what I mean. We'll go with that option. So I I I think, and I said this a long time ago. I said this a long time ago uh, on on the Wallcast. Shout out to the Wallcast, uh, the midweek Wallcast, which is now resting in peace. But <laughs> now resting in peace. But, I'm, I'm pouring out some liquor on the curb here. <laughs> RFU Wallcast, midweek Wallcast. Do, do you know what? If for the perfect opponent for John to get his feet wet in light uh, heavyweight, sorry, I keep saying light heavyweight, we're just so so uh, conditioned to say that. Alistair Overeem. Mm. Alistair Overeem would be the perfect. Oh, perfect kairos is it is that is that um is that you contending that 
<laughs> I'm just scared. I'm gonna be real. I'm y'all people swear I'm a hater of John. I like John, I'm a fan, but I don't think he should be at heavyweight. I think there's only one fight that he should have at this division, and it should be Stipe, and then he should he should 86 it and get out of there. Don't push your luck. Just because you're 6'5 doesn't mean you should be fighting heavyweights. I'm sorry. Don't do it. I'm with Carlos. Whoever's um against a uh, champion versus champion isn't really looking or isn't paying attention to how the UFC is intent on cashing in on every single narrative and that is the narrative and that is the fight to make mm -hmm. what I have to say the little devil on my shoulder um, you know would like to see him face Greg Hardy before right. the title shot right. only because only because Greg Hardy will get sent to the shadow realm yeah. or the flipping um, sunken place but no it's definitely a title shot as soon as he lands Absolutely, title shot. I think Dana's saying that Francis will get a shot at Stipe first and yeah. then John Jones. Yeah. I'm correct, right, fellas? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. And you know they'll be praying. They'll be praying harder than when they wanted Francis to beat Stipe two, two years ago. Over What was it? Yeah. <laughs> they'll be praying for uh, for Stipe to get dethroned. And, uh, yeah, this, the sexier fight, though, out of the two is John and Francis. Undoubtedly. It's the sexier of the fight. Like, Stipe, he his body of work and his work in the cage speaks for itself. But he's just he's he's just not that guy. He's just not that vocal guy, the outspoken heavyweight baddest man on, on the planet. He's just a nice, mm. lovely, kind, family oriented firefighter. Do you know what I mean? From Cleveland, and that that <laughs> that doesn't resonate with with fans. So like, I'm I'm sure the UFC would hope that Francis would win the title, and then they could set sell it that. Obviously, this African destroyer, blah blah blah, who's starched everybody. If if you know what I mean, against going up against the consensus greatest of all time amongst many. I mean, that's a sexier fight. So, but it all depends. I mean, no, sorry, carry on, cars. I was I was just thinking about this. I had a flash forward in my head. It was like a that's so Raven moment. I saw his defeat. So Let me tell you what I just saw. <laughs> Imagine this: John Jones wins the heavyweight title. Israel Adesanya defends his belt and says, you know what? I'm going to take John's belt and wait for him to come back down. Oh. He takes the light <laughs> heavyweight title. John comes back down and they both fight. Ooh. That would be one of the biggest fights in UFC history. I, I'm... I, it might be the biggest fight in the UFC history. I'm not saying that Israel Adesanya could win that belt, but I'm just saying. I don't hate some, it. Yeah, I, if something like I that happened, hate it. I, that would be pretty crazy. I don't hate it. Like, not, I, I, unlikely though. That, that yeah. So obviously that uh, that's contingent on on Izzy racking up the title defenses and then obviously moving up and successfully uh, claim, claiming the title. But the the trajectory of Israel Adesanya's star power is only going one way. It's 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 completely linear. It's just going up. Yeah. And I, mm. I I truly, I hand and heart believe this, and people might say I'm crazy for thinking this or what have you, but I hand and heart believe that Adesanya, I'd probably say maybe in the next two, two, two or three years, maybe in the next two years, I think he could be a bigger star than Conor McGregor. I, I truly believe that. And people might think, oh, yeah, you're crazy for thinking that or whatever. Uh, Conor's got a whole nation behind him. Yeah, that's true. But Israel Adesanya has a whole continent behind him in Africa, exactly. not just not just Nigeria. Like, wow. Yeah, when I w when you put it like yeah. that, I, I was about to say that's crazy talk. But you're right. Yeah, like when, you are absolutely right. When I, when I when I was last in Zambia, the posters for uh, for the UFC, Israel Adesanya's face plastered everywhere. There's there, mm. there's no 
like if, unlike in in many other sports in Africa, there's there's no tribalism when it, when it, when it comes to when it comes to fighting. Everybody was behind Israel Adesanya in in Africa in general. I got that's the vibe I got when I was in uh, when when I stopped over in uh, in in, Eth- in Ethiopia. God, that airport mm. was fucking horrendous we won't go into that story because mm. i <laughs> and that, that's a vibe i got in zambia where my parents are from and then obviously in nigeria I, I don't know what the population of nigeria is it's something like i think it's close to 100 million or something stupid somebody can correct me if i if i'm wrong but yeah so when you when you factor that or all, all that in i mean and especially now with the rise of social media as well i think his his uh his rise to prominence has come at a perfect time because nobody uh, never not in the last five years has social media been used as much and in particular for yes. mixed martial arts as well and where kids in literally in the middle or nowhere in Africa can see the highlights from, from the fights and what have you so I, I hand and heart believe that he will be the biggest star in the next two years yes I think so too and they need a, uh, another star you know Connor's in and out we don't know what he's doing and then also Connor acts like he's not aging and whatnot I mean he's really good but he does take like large <laughs> breaks you just never know when he comes back if we see a decline or something I don't trust his long breaks and I feel like we need a whole new star and I would love for that to be Izzy and also Izzy is just pissing people off just by breathing which is a good sign too <laughs> so I think Chisanga might be on to something Speaking of Izzy, right, guys? What did you make of that UFC two five three trailer? Oh man, I haven't that... seen it yet. Chills. What? I haven't seen it either. It's awesome. Okay. Oh my! I'm gonna watch that G- as soon as we're done recording. It's it's oh, it's man. pretty dope, huh? Mm. It's pretty dope. Oh, one hundred percent. Oh man, I'm I'm pumped for that fight. We've got to wait how many weeks? Got five more weeks now, but that's gonna come around quick, people. Light work. That's mm-hmm. gonna come. Mm. You think that's light work? Light work five weeks. Yeah, oh, I, mean, I thought you meant the Izzy like against Costa being light work. No, 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 oh, okay, no, no. Okay. I'm talking oh, about the time. I, s- I mean that that five weeks gonna go oh, real okay, quick. Okay, fair I enough. I haven't right, seen yeah, that promo footage, but I did take a peek at Paolo training. He uploaded himself training and doing like almost circuit training with the pads, and the sh- yeah, and the shape that, that yeah. he's in is kind of frightening. I'm Incredible. not gonna lie. The amount of but he weighs a hundred. Mm. He weighs a hundred kilos right now. In five weeks, he's got to lose like thirty-five pounds. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's oh, it's it, mad. It's it's, it's maddening. Yeah. It I I just it had me stunned. In fact, when he was done with his circuit training, he could barely move. He was and he's still in good shape, but it was just so strenuous. And I'm talking about like leg kick after leg kick and then another trainer comes in you think he's done you know hitting the pads and he hits he's hitting them quickly and hard and he went through like five different people without stopping and he is in optimal shape and it's unreal and that gave me chills so i can't imagine to see izzy's perspective and see what he's doing or how they put this together but that fight is going to be huge that's like as pumped as i am this fight is happening can you imagine that fight in front of a sold-out T-Mobile arena, oh my god, it'd be Ooh. it'd be insane. We're being robbed. We are fucking Corona robbing us of our summer. No summer 2020, and now robbing us of this. But yeah, it's 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 gonna. That trailer gave me goosebumps and just made me realize how actually pumped I am for this fight. It's it's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, one hundred percent. You're up, G. Yeah, so let's keep this in the same realm as uh, light heavyweight. Today, I bring to the table the return of Anthony Rumble Johnson to the UFC. So earlier this week... Rumble, young man, Rumble. 
Earlier in this week, Ali Abdel Aziz, I hopefully I said his name right, Ali announced Rumble's mm. return to UFC's anti-doping program. And you know, this program requires a fighter to be tested six months prior to returning to competition. So that's usually a sign that, you know, you're getting ready to come back. Coincidentally, you know, Jasanga, and we've already discussed this, John Jones vacated his light heavyweight belt to pursue his endeavors at mm. heavyweight. So we know that. However, why is the UFC ignoring the fact that Anthony Johnson is a repeat offender of domestic abuse? And it's not just that he's, you know, a repeat offender. When you are a repeat offender of domestic abuse, guys, you are now a company liability. Okay, so meaning mm-hmm. like your problems with, with domestic violence can affect business. It can affect a fight announcement. It can affect a fight. It can affect the company. You can make the company look bad. And the reason why I'm a little concerned with why they're just simply ignoring this and just bringing him back willy-nilly, no program, no Mike Perry, no nothing, is because of these um, incidents. In 2010, he was placed on probation for misdemeanor assault of his then-girlfriend, which resulted in visible injuries, like she was injured. 2014, he was suspended by the UFC after the mother of his children alleged domestic violence abuse. And mind you, the UFC suspended him for that, so that was legit. May 2019, he was arrested for carrying his then-girlfriend at the time to another room by force during a very heated verbal altercation at home, meaning he didn't gingerly pick her up and was like, baby, this is too much. Like, it was a heated argument, and he picked her up because, you know, I saw a lot of people downplaying that, and that is um, domestic violence, even if you think it's on a small scale. His propensity... No, it's domestic it is, violence. It is, but, I, you know, I bring mm. that up because I did see people like, that's not a crime. You can pick up your girlfriend. And st- I saw a, little, a lot of <sighs> wacky things. Oh, God's and I also noticed that people kind of downplayed. They tried to act like he gingerly picked her up because he's such a big guy and she was upset. So he picked. No, yeah. that's not how it goes. Y'all know he yanked her ass up and threw yeah. her in another mm-hmm. room. Please stop making excuses for fighters. And if the police were involved and they said that he picked her up and, and put her in another room and he was arrested for it, I don't think it was gingerly. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it was gentle. <laughs> so that was May 2019. And his propensity to use violence towards women is not just for women that he is romantically involved with. He once angrily removed a woman's yoga mat and belongings in the gym because she was simply working out too close to him. Now, fellas, I work out in the gym before the pandemic. I work out in the gym. I know it doesn't look that way because I'm the type of person that works out and then comes home, eats a pizza. But I work out four to five times a week. And that was pre-pandemic. Now, if someone of his size and stature, or if I knew he was a professional fighter, and, and then also, yes, his size and stature, if a man did that to me, I would gather my things and go home in fear of that man. And then when I go back to the gym, when I see him, I'm going to be afraid of him. And I don't want to see that man in a parking lot because what he did was yeah. threatening. And people need to understand that that is scary to women. A big-ass, grown-ass man who was who is a professional fighter didn't say shit to me, took my yoga mat because I was too close, and tossed it in the gym. <laughs> this guy has problems with women. So my question to you again why is the UFC ignoring the fact that he is like fringe liability with his behavior and do you think the timing of John Jones vacating the belt plays a huge role in why he's suddenly coming back and I'm gonna start with Kairos as far as liability of the company is concerned I mean I I don't want to be this person but I'm just no, gonna be tell honest, you straight yeah. up you guys can't be surprised by nope. this anymore if we're just being mm-hmm. realistic like Desmond Green, oh my allegedly, god, god, yeah, allegedly 
did what he did and people and stuff happened to people he was able to compete what two or three more he times he was the person i what he he's involved in car accidents a lot and drink and he's like hurt people in the process right like vehicular is that the fighter yes. okay just just so yes. that some yes. the listeners don't know we'll I, yeah two two people died in the car crash he was in i'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. i didn't want to say like that stuff, oh yeah, sorry exactly. <laughs> well i just i don't know what you know but right. um so yeah, like that happened, and he was able to fight two more times. You had the situation where people, I, people forgot that um, a certain person, I don't remember who it was or what happened, but someone accused John Jones of like roping them inside of a club. I don't know how that ended yeah. up. I think it was like no contest mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, it was a waitress, yes. wasn't it? I a stripper, believe yeah. so. Yeah, not sure. Yes. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, exactly, Allegedly. <laughs> exactly. And that happened. People just like move forward. So I'm just letting everybody know right now. You guys got to stop like being surprised mm-hmm. by this. It's almost expected that the UFC does this because at the end of the day, what's their primary focus? To make income and draw eyes to the sport. Now, how they're doing that, I don't support it. What they're doing, I don't necessarily support it, but I'm not surprised by it. And what was the other question about Rumble's... What Bro, the timing Rumble... of it? With, with, yes. What do you think of that? <laughs> Very... It's not even a coincidence. <laughs> this man literally <laughs> waited for the two hardest fights for him the two largest obstacles to disappear from the sport mm-hmm. to come back. He really thinks he's about to come in here and hit, like, no, I'm going to be real with y'all. Some people might think it's Rumble's time to shine. It is not. We saw this man try and wrestle an Olympic caliber wrestler. In his no, last he fight. also doesn't this fight is- hands. Once you get on his back, for some reason, he just forgets that you are. I don't even fight Kairos. And if some man tried to choke me from behind, I would fight the hands just because I have watched so much damn UFC and I would turn towards his body. But for some reason, a professional fighter doesn't do that and he gets choked out. But go and then ahead. you have Henry Hoof saying, don't quit, don't, don't quit, quit, and don't he quit. And he does yeah. it every time in the same way. And I don't know why, but he panics. And I'm telling you, I have learned to fight the hands and I'm not a fighter. Why that doesn't work for him i don't know go ahead kairos i have to vent for a sec go i, I was just joking because henry got so mad at him that he even left cage side during his last fight when anthony was like where's henry at they were like we don't know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that i really do think he was running scared for three to five years and then now that those two people are gone he's like well I guess it's time for me to return. Like I, he, might I bet he couldn't believe his luck. He must have been like going through <laughs> his his social media feed and he's like, "Oh yeah, DC's confirmed his retirement." And then a few hours go back, he comes back. Oh shit, John's left, John's left light heavyweight. <laughs> Ali, I'm back. <laughs> I might need a couple months allegedly to to clean myself up, but I'm back. But because. Well, definitely 100%. He's he's timed this beautifully. He's timed this nicely. And he's timed it on purpose. I think as well, we have to keep remembering, we're we're skirting around the issue here and we're talking about the UFC having a short memory. It's not about memories. It's about wiping yours. It's about the gaslighter of all gaslighters, the gaslight king, Dana White, actually selling us a pup, selling us something which doesn't actually reflect reality remember when greg hardy threw his girlfriend he threw threw his girlfriend on a pile of guns and that whole situation was wiped away as in well it's not really an issue and uh, we're really pleased to have him on board now it does seem to be a constant theme where there is some kind of like misdemeanor however big or however small and particularly when it involves women that it's not a big issue for the UFCs. I'll point the finger where it's due. It's not a big issue for Dana White. It doesn't seem as though um, there was any qualms in putting 
um, an alleged wife beater, girlfriend beater on the same card as somebody who had recently been yeah, um, beaten by her other half. Was that uh, Rachel Ostovich, yeah. was it? Now, for me, this is a consistent theme. The gaslighting is horrendous and we shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not, not surprised. surprised at all. But go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm not surprised at all. And Rumble is somewhat of a of a big entity in the in the light heavyweight division. So, I mean, we've seen on numerous occasions that the UFC have turned a blind eye to the transgressions of their their uh, their athletes. So, I'm I'm not I'm not surprised of, of it whatsoever. But also, also what what needs to happen is, as well is that my my colleagues and, and press row and myself if i get an opportunity we, we need to ask these questions we need to ask uh dana white uh were you were you guys comfortable in bringing rumble back given the fact he was involved in a domestic violence uh case i think it was last last may if, if memory serves me correctly but there's this fear of losing credentials if you ask a question that's deemed out of turn and if I remember rightly, didn't they try and engineer um, the questions away from that very subject? Um, if I remember rightly, Hardy, it was... Yeah. Uh, that was Greg Hardy, a member, it, yeah. Yeah, it was... It was um, if I remember rightly, it was the PR um, didn't actually say that you couldn't ask questions, but they made it kind of like they hinted strongly that that wouldn't be a desirable um, outcome for you if you did. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember who it was that that tweeted it. Yeah. I, was, I, was, I was trying to. I was trying to see if I could find, find the find the tweet, but no, nah, I can't find it. But do you know what I? Yeah. Um, do you know what I struggle with with Anthony Johnson? What's that? Um, I I I struggle with being a fan of his because he portrays himself as like such a good guy. Like, have y'all ever even seen him upset with an opponent? I don't even no. think he trash talks like that. No, he's he, first of all he's debonair. He's got those beautiful cheekbones. He's handsome. He loves his grandmother. Like he always talks about his grandma and getting advice from her. He's the nicest guy. He doesn't even beef with his opponents. I've never even seen him like you know, self-promote in a way that's annoying. And he doesn't need anger to be mad to fight his opponents. He's not a Nick or Nate Diaz that is like, even though there's no beef they created because they need that energy to fight. And in, and then he's a bit of a jokester. Him and John Jones did like a, you know, they tricked Dana yeah, into thinking I they were going to yeah. fight each other. Like fight, he's yeah. a cool guy. And then like in his personal life, he's a threat to little old women. And it just mm. doesn't add up. And I so like when he's announcing that he's coming back, I'll forget that and be like, fuck yeah, because I'm a, um, a fan of fighting. And he's also hella entertaining. And then he portrays himself so nicely. And it's just such a it's just such a disappointment that I would be working out. And if I was too close to him, if my music was too loud, he would think it would be okay to toss my shit across the room and scare the living bejesus out of me. You know, like it doesn't yeah. mm -hmm. how he presents himself does not he does a really good job of that. And it confuses me. Like, not for nothing, I'm about to sound real ignorant, but Greg Hardy look and act like he beat a woman's ass. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, do y'all get my point? Y'all yeah. get my point? Yeah. Like, I'm I being do. hella I'm being ignorant, though, and I will admit that. But I feel like it's like, you know, I, I, when I'm talking to y'all, I feel like I'm on the phone and just nobody's listening. So I have to announce that I'm being ignorant. But y'all get my point. He looked like he beat, beat a bitch's ass. I Anthony looks like, yeah, Anthony looks like he comes home every Sunday to eat dinner with grandma. Then he goes to his baby mama house and he loves her up. That's not what's happening. And it's like I struggle with that, you know. And that's why, you know, 
it, it's funny you you're talking about like looks can be deceiving i was in poland and um anthony was there anthony johnson was there and um i said to him uh, okay i'm gonna meet you here in the lobby and um we're gonna you know have a actually no it wasn't wasn't poland it was sweden it was after he'd beaten um uh alexander gustafsson anyway i, I said to him oh, i'll meet you down in in the lobby um and we'll we'll do an interview and he said yeah yeah i'll be down in 10 minutes i'm just going to put my stuff down i'm just going to freshen up and I'll, i will literally be down in 10 minutes i waited six hours what? no anthony johnson no anthony johnson <laughs> and um Mike, that Mike, stuck with me that crushed craft. me that, that, that crushed me wow. six whole hours and I know it was six whole hours because by the time I looked out into the street it was daylight so Anthony Johnson hmm looks can be deceiving but I'm, it may be it may be let me train this back it may be that he went upstairs had a really hot shower and just went to sleep time zone or something but he told yeah. me 10 to 15 minutes tops I'll be down my man I got you my brother uh, yo oh man that's, uh, that's unfortunate six hours yeah. Uh, I, yeah. But you, but your point is made though. Like he's look how friendly he was and whatnot, <laughs> yes, and yes. my man left you downstairs. That's how I feel of him as a fan. Like I'll totally forget about the yoga mat and the baby mama saying, you know, and the restraining orders. And then just when he comes on during an interview, I'd be like, man, I like this guy. And I have to be like, oh, no, he probably whoop your ass. Like, you know, like be careful, be careful. And, and like I said, I often wonder, again, like the business side of things is like, like how come him and other folks that are like getting in trouble? How come the UFC is like, we got to be careful with them, you know, but in, instead they see dollar signs and go all for it, you know? Well, it, it, <laughs> well I, I, I know this this is uh me, me bring this up is about something well, it is lowering the tone to a certain extent do you remember when uh, the ufc allowed uh, what's that guy's name is it abdul al al hassan to to fight when he well i don't know if they were aware of this but there was uh he was he was accused of rape do you not remember yes no yeah. do you know i don't remember, remember that yeah. one no, I, i'm not familiar yeah with yeah so he was accused of rape when was he accused of rape uh I think it was before his fight with Nico Price at UFC 228, and obviously it tra- later transpired that the the charge had been had leveled, been le- or the accusation had been leveled his way. Maybe some of the UFC didn't do their due diligence. I, I you hope that's the case. Like I, I mean, you hope beyond hope, especially with something as as so terrible as rape. You hope that was the case. But yeah, he had a fight when he was uh, accused of. Of, uh, of of being a rapist, which he was acquitted of in when was he acquitted? I think not too long ago. Like I think it was in March. Mm. I think yeah, I think it was in March that he got uh, acquitted. But wow. yeah, I remember oh, I that. Familiar with him. But and I don't want people to get the wrong idea. Okay, I was raised to like believe, I believe in rehabilitation, but I do also at a certain point come from the position of like if you have repeat behavior, yeah, like, yes, trying to get better, course. you yes. know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, if you did one thing wrong, I'm going to hold you mm. to that shit right. because you ain't shit. Like, no, that's not who I am. That's not who I'm raised. That's not the culture that I, I was brought in. I was very, I'm very grateful to be brought in a very healthy family environment. Mm. I'm very spoiled. Like, I, I acknowledge that and I know that in my heart of hearts. So I'm not going to sit here from my ivory tower and say, you made a mistake five, ten years ago and haven't repeated, but I'm still going to hold you to that shit, which I yeah. don't like when people do that because that's messed up. Like, I'll give you an example. You have Derek Lewis. We haven't seen anything negative about him since he got out of prison. This man has mm-hmm. changed his life around 
-hmm. dealt with it. He has figured it out. Every other time when a crisis happens, we see this man driving around Houston doing charity work. When the hurricanes were coming, when the flooding was in, this guy was out there pushing his whip, helping people get out of their houses when they were singing, bringing boats up, doing social stuff like that. And yet you always have that fucking person who wants to bring up his past and fucking hold him to that shit as if he's that same person. I don't. That's what I don't like. It's one thing. I'm with you there. It's one thing if you were like, I'm sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go on. It's one thing if you're, like I said, a repeat offender and a person who just can't get their shit together. But it's a completely other thing if you have changed who you are and you've moved on. Stop yeah, exactly. being a prisoner to people's past. Stop being a fucking yeah. gatekeeper and an ambulance chaser. That's what I mean. That, like. It's cancel. Yeah, that's the yeah. key yeah. thing. I, it's cancel. That's the key I thing. I mean, yeah. having like worked with young offenders who basically, um, because of one slip up or two slip ups, found themselves excluded from school, it's very easy to write people off and then it becomes a habitual action. When you give people a chance, mm-hmm. when you when people want to be rehabilitated, you know, you can't actually write those people off. So I'm with you there, Kairos, 100%. Yeah, yeah I'm the same. Mm-hmm. And I also think we need to address like one loss as well. You know, I, I, I'm noticing this, oh, the hype, tri- the hype train derailed, hype train derailed. I think we need to get away from that. And yeah, also, yeah. like, we're acting like this is boxing. You know, and MMA goddess on Twitter said it best. She was like, enough with the, the hype train. Um, hype train derailments and she was like my god if y'all had watched GSP lose to Matt Hughes you would have just cancelled him and and, and and it it resonated with me I was like true he lost that fight and came back and was greater than ever Mm -hmm. and yet Edmund Shabazian and all types of people and and Sean O'Malley that are just clearly it's quite obvious these are either future title contenders or future champions. We 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 know this about yeah. both those men, but yet their hype trains were derailed. No, they had one loss. Fighters lose. And I think we need to get away from that. And it also ties into the fact that like if these fighters that are involved in domestic violence abuse are showing atonement and like moving on with their lives and 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 doing better, we need to like talk about that more, discuss it and accept them back into the community. Exactly. Like yeah. you it's as Kyra said, like you can't judge somebody off one thing that they've done. If there's repeat behavior and there's a re- repeat pattern, yeah. then okay, you can you can form that opinion. But even even I, t- like m- maybe it's just that I'm an internal optimist or what have you. Even I believe that re- repeat offenders can't, well, to a certain extent, they can they can change. It, de- it depends on what you're doing or what have you. And yes. who the person is. Yeah, you know, exactly. one person who's a repeat offender can change and maybe the next person can't. We have to do this individualistically. You exactly. Know? But to to judge somebody off of something that they did many years ago when there's there's clear evidence that they've changed their lives and they're no longer that person, you can't just, when it suits you, hark back to to their past transgression and said, oh, yeah, but he did this in, in, in 2002 or whatever. You know, like, like... It, what we doing here for not allowing people to to atone and grow from their mistakes? I mean, you can't just. Like, I I think that's a problem with cancel culture in in general. That one it's it's one strike and you're out for 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 a lot of people, and that has and we'd miss out on so many fights as well. Exactly, we'd miss yeah. out on so many fights. I mean, there'd be no Jimmy Manuel. There would be no exactly. Alexander Gustafson. I mean, there'd be no Larone the Miracle Murphy. I yeah, mean, no Michael Bisping as like, well. Yeah, like I mean, well, there you go. 
Exactly. And you miss out on incredible people. It's so fucked mm. up. And I get emotional talking about this stuff because I can relate. I've been in a situation like this. I was when I was in college, literally my senior year of college, I was accused of something I didn't do at this cabin party. This person got stabbed. It. I get arrested that very night. I'm in the wow. middle of like I'm in the middle of rural whole bunk hillbilly town so it's just like black guy did this he destroyed this he destroyed that i got arrested two of my other teammates got arrested we didn't even do anything wrong literally the next day we go into the cafeteria people are talking so much shit we go to we go and hang out that weekend we were talking so much shit, and it doesn't in there the court case goes through we have to go through this whole judicial process charges end up being dropped finally you know but it's still the fact that that damaged my reputation around my last year at that university mm -hmm. for years. There's people who still talk about the cabin party side. There's people who still think I did these things. And so that's why I get so upset when I see people trying to hold people to something that may or may not be true. Or and let's just say for argument's sake that I did it. Let's just say everything that I did, I was accused of and I did it. Well, guess what? I'm trying to be a better person. I moved on. Why yeah. are you going to try and hold me to that? You know, that's yeah. that's really what gets me really upset. No, completely understand your your point of view, and that that that's something that's horrendous. That's that's every person's worst nightmare to be accused of something that you didn't do. And, that you didn't do, yeah. And, I couldn't yeah. sleep. That shit was scary. And Fuck then me. to carry that stigmatism too, once that you are cleared or once you make atonement mm -hmm. for it, it's like you got to carry that burden. And it's it's I think as a society as a whole, we need to work on that because I do, I don't I don't like when I see people defending Greg Hardy, like I don't see the atonement that folks are talking about. So I don't give him that pass. But there yeah. are certain people like. You know, I would give that pass to, you know, especially when their partners remain with them and they and they stay in therapy. And, they, and then you even see the woman like, shit, I forgave him. Can y'all you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm inclined to support those couples when two people are like, we're getting the help that we need. We love each other. And I think he's worth it. Please. I want you to think he is, too. And mm -hmm. I wish we saw that more in society. But as far as Anthony Johnson, I think there's like a huge red flag with his behavior, and I would not be surprised upon his return at some point if he stays in the UFC that we will be he will be in some headlines again because he seems to just have a little bit of a, of a problem here, you know. Yeah, I'm not ready to give him that you know that yeah. that slide because he's that repeat offender, and then he says nothing about it like i don't i don't even remember him ever saying anything about, at least greg hardy tries to say i have a daughter now that 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 i don't think anthony says anything. he he definitely tried to gut it out i mean i don't remember anything being said at the yeah, time yeah not to well. say he, he had, hasn't he but was given me, opportunity yeah so i don't you know we'll see it but at the same time like i told you guys i do struggle with his return i am kind of excited because i'm yeah. a fight fan and no, he, he brings it so it's like a, a, the little kid in me it's like anthony's coming back anthony's coming back you know but who does and he I just fight pray that child that's a good question what y'all think it's supposed to be a layup they're gonna throw him someone he has no business fighting like who Damn, this harsh, this disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> this, this sport is so ruthless, man. You know who they're gonna give him? Who? <clears throat> they're gonna give him? <laughs> they're gonna give him Johnny Walker, or they're gonna give him Misha Serkin? Uh, yeah. If they give him Misha, he's getting choked out. <laughs> oh, that's what y'all hoping for. I don't know if that's what's gonna happen. Well, I'm jumping the gun, but yeah, I think he can. I think he can beat Johnny. Yeah, Walker, well, though. Johnny Walker's booked, ha isn't he? At the moment, he's fighting soon. Yeah. So yeah, Misha's yeah. not. Has back. he fought? Has he fought OSP? Rumble. No. I, I I I don't recall that fight. No, I don't think so. No, yeah. and he has, OSP has a fight. He's booked, he's fighting this, this weekend. weekend. He's fighting this weekend. Which yeah. uh, which neatly segues into UFC Fight Night: Edgar versus Munoz. Just before we go, I just wanted to say. 
this card is shit, man. I'm sorry. For me, yeah. it, doesn't do, it doesn't do anything for me. I'm just going to just lay my cards on the line. Frankie Edgar, Pedro Munoz, wonderful. Uh, OSP, Alonzo Menefield, great. The rest of the card, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, that... That co-main, I'm not feeling that co-main, Mike. I don't talk about. Well, great. it was Uriah oh, Hall and Yo Romero <laughs> originally. Remember that, right? Yeah, exactly. So you had that fight. I yeah, I don't care that OSP is fighting Alonzo Manyfield. Yeah. Mm. Uh, like, I'll t that shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm, y'all know we. I'm gonna watch every damn fight from the prelims to you know. I'll watch anything. So, but I'm with Mike. This fight, this card. I mean, Daniel Rodriguez says Takashi Sato. But that, bro, like, no, like, it's not doing nothing for me. I don't know what this, you know. Yeah. Oh, but by the way, um, I do have one fight I do want to get excited about. My favorite prospect is fighting. Maria Agapova. Um, yeah. I, you know, and she's fighting oh, my, you, you, she's, she's fighting she's me, fighting Shana Dotson. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, fight, I'm fighting this weekend. Can. Yeah, I'm fighting this weekend. And let me I tell forgot. you, Mike. I think I'm going to get fucked up. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think I'm going to get fucked yeah, up. Yeah, you are. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in trouble here, fellas. So thoughts and prayers with Shayna and myself this weekend. My mentions are gonna blow up, but this young lady, y'all, what? Look out for her. Her striking is phenomenal. Yeah, that's it. And then she's tough and she's nasty. She got an attitude too. So I'm like, this is you know when people ask me about like who's the prospect that stay on your brain. It's this young lady. So nice. I, 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 yeah, I'm really excited about this, and I'm, I'm pumped. But the card, no, and also the main event. Pedro hits hard. He's really good on the ground. But I, I just think Frankie, the game has evolved around him. You think? Like every time I write, yeah, every t- I do. Every time I write of Frankie Edgar, he, he, he defies father time, and, and mm-hmm. so like I'm, yeah. Uh, well, so so who 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 did Frankie last lose to? I'm trying to think. So obviously he lost Korean zombie. He lost to Korean, Korean zombie. Quick. Yeah, <laughs> Korean zombie. No, no shame in that whatsoever. And then pri- no. prior to that was no. Max, and then was it was it Max Holloway? Was it Ortega? Was it um, Max Holloway and then Ortega? Yes. The uppercut from yeah, hell. So the, yeah. And the fight that he didn't need to take, he didn't. That that's that's what sometimes being a company man gets you. He said, like he he was like for the UFC. Okay, yeah, I I know the card's taking a major hit with Max Holloway being uh being injured. I'll just take I'll I'll, I'll take Brian Ortega and I'll risk my title shot. Title shot went up in a plume of a street fighter esque uppercut, man. Damn. Yeah. And and don't forget he beat Cub Swanson, but we don't really remember that fight because it was by decision yeah. and it wasn't really it wasn't that exciting of a fight. And notice how we remember his like three losses, but we forgot he won in between that with Cub but Swanson. I'm, I'm looking at it now yeah. online. I just think the fight game has is, is past him. I think it's evolved. I think he's that old school fighter, and that these you know younger up and coming fighters like Pedro are just going to get past him. And I how think about Pedro you, Paris? Knocks him out. Go ahead. Frankie's done. All right, like he he has like the record for most <laughs> octagon time, and that's not a good accomplishment to have at all. You can't mm-hmm. be making like records for having a long career and staying in there for long periods of time and getting clattered when you are fighting in those like short fights. I just, you know, he should be looking for. He should have done this years ago. 
there's a few fighters mm, yeah. who should have been moving down weight classes years ago. I told y'all RDA should have went back to 155 a minute ago. He finally did it. It's too late for him. He's not going to win a title there. You got Frankie trying to go down to 135 now at the tail end of his career. Not going to work. Not great. Edson Barbosa is down at 145 now. This will be a testament. to. We'll see what happens. But I'm not like, I'm not, I don't think he's going to be a UFC champion. I'm just going to be with you. If y'all want to drop down these weight classes, you need to do it now. As far as this fight card, you're right. I think it's borderline underwhelming because we've been spoiled. But I also yeah. think mm -hmm. Frank Edgar needs to do a better job at manages, managing his career. He needs to be looking at different matchups. Right. I agree. Yeah. Pedro hits hard, and he's a yeah. tough customer. I think Frankie needs to settle into that goatkeeper role. This whole title chasing thing has got to stop. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But out of the three fighters you, you, you mentioned there about uh, going back, going back at uh, dropping down a weight i think probably edson barboza is probably the most the best place to win the title out of out of those threes like i mean we talked about it not too long ago like mo the the uh the most common feature and mo most common common skill set amongst the featherweights is striking which is what edson's best at so there, there aren't too many too many grapplers in the 145 pound division off the top of my head so but he, he has the best shot of those three. Yeah, uh, yeah sure, of those but... three, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, like R RDA, like he's going to be fighting Islam Makachev, man. Well, God damn, bro. But then again, I'm just seeing that announcement. But, that yeah, is but nice. then again, we don't know. Like obviously, we know Islam is good. We know, like we know he's good. But this, well, this is the litmus test for him. This is where we where we see how how really good he is. If he is really ready to to compete with the elite. And it's sad to, it's mm. to, for me to to say that RDA is a gatekeeper, but unfortunately, that's what he's being, that's what he's been tasked with to do with this fight. If he doesn't win this fight, bro, he, that's exactly what he's just become to. I'll give him some bail at one seventy because they have literally tried to get that man the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. if you look at his yeah. his strength of schedule. It's like him, Cowboy, and I want to say one other person has like some of the toughest strength of schedule we've ever fucking seen in the UFC. And like RDA is still standing, so maybe he gets down here, and maybe he does some work, maybe he gets some wins, but it's gonna be tough. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that brings to a close another episode, episode two of Shots Fired. We'll be back next week Thursday with more talking points. <laughs> Separate the weak from the opsa Leap hard to creep them Brooklyn Street It's on again, stop all that bickering beat